And that's how my mother became involved in the Oklahoma NAACP and NAAC Youth Council in Oklahoma City and eventually started joining sit-ins and demonstrations to end segregation in Oklahoma City. You have pictures of her as a, as a chaperone for young black Americans taking a trip to Washington, D.C.? Well, on that bus, she met a man who wanted to move to our part of Oklahoma City. He had accepted a job as a doctor, and my mother offered to sell him our house. That just wasn't done. There were no blacks, not only in our community, but within many, many, many miles of our community. And so a cabal of um, city leaders, uh, including my father and the town mayor and our and your minister, the same minister, and the uh, sheriff got together to take care of the problem. And the solution was they arrested her, charged her with insanity. The charge was that she had been associated with black people. She'd had them in her home. She rode on a bus with them all the way across the U.S. And this was a sign of insanity. She was there for five years. Her medical record was 23 pages long. And it stated at the very beginning she was not there to be treated. She was there to be confined. Well, I guess I think it's important because what we want to talk about is what led to you deciding it was a, a question of character, a question of conscience, to make a decision about the Vietnam War. And I can't help but believe that this had to have shaped your willingness to examine that question of conscience? It, it, it definitely did. Uh, and then there were some triggers in 1967 and 68 that pushed me over the edge to compel me to do something. The summer of 67, I was asked to teach a short theater course to some kids that were brought to the campus of Cornell, where I was going to school. Uh, and they were brought there from Harlem. And in working with those kids, I realized that most of them, the, the boys anyway, were probably going to go to Vietnam. Um, they weren't going to go to Cornell. They weren't going to get 2S deferments. And it deeply bothered me that I had something they couldn't have that weighed on me. Uh, that December, I brought my mother on a two-week furlough from the hospital to Cornell, just visiting with her and talking about what her life was like and what happened back then. And it made me ever more determined to do something for her. But again, I still had no, what, no idea what to do or how to do it. It was also 1967, wasn't it, that you met the Berrigans for the, the first time? Actually, that was 68. That January, I took a job at Cornell United Religious Work, and my office was directly across the hall from Daniel Berrigan's office. He was an intimidating man to me at first, and there's nothing intimidating about Daniel Berrigan. He's about the most approachable human you'll ever meet. But he was intimidating to me because of where I was, I think. I was ready to do something and not ready to do something. So that fall, I got to know him a little bit, but mostly I observed going in and out of his office of many, many visitors from all over the world. And then in April of that year, uh, the weekend that Martin Luther King was assassinated, that's when I returned my draft card to my draft board uh, when I felt ultimately compelled I had to do it and on the following Monday I, I knocked on Dan's door and said I need to talk with someone <laughs> and that's when we became friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
at that what point. What was the Selective Service response when you mailed them your draft card? Oh, it was immediate. They immediately took away my student deferment and reclassified me something called 1A delinquent. The next decision was, would I refuse induction in upstate New York, where I had a good chance of having a very short sentence or no sentence at all, or would I go back to Oklahoma where no one had defied the draft publicly except for some very quiet, conscientious objectors that nobody knew about. How did you make a decision? If I was going to do this thing, I was going to try to make it count. I knew if I did it in Oklahoma, there might be an opportunity for me to get something started there. So what happened when you got there? I got noticed. (laughs) Uh, I became the local cause celeb for the next six months or so um, until my trial and my imprisonment for refusing induction. At some point, you decided to go a little bit further, you and some friends.